Cade Mila Falta. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, where we travel in the footsteps of your Irish ancestors, visiting their homelands and telling their stories as they put down roots in so many places around the world. Thanks for listening to the show. To support the podcast and letter, get lots of member-only features and follow Mike and Karina behind the scenes, go to aletterfromireland.com forward slash plus. That's aletterfromireland.com forward slash plus. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Letter from Ireland show. I'm Karina, And I'm Mike. And Mike, how are you doing today? I'm not too bad, Queen. All the better for having you here and the two of us on the show at the same time. A rare treat for me, at least, and probably a rare treat for you as well. Well, I'm looking forward to it as well. And what have you got in store for us today? What's the name of the show, Mike? Right, straight down to business. Well, it's a genealogy-focused episode today, but I think it's a particularly interesting one. It's actually called Finding Your Irish Ancestral Homeland. How does that sound to you? Well, I know that would be of interest to a lot of our listeners. It's really, really nice when you come to Ireland, if you know the homeland of your ancestors. And even if you don't get here, to be able to point to a map and say, that's where my gang are from. Now, just on that, um, in fact, the last episode we recorded uh, was all about one of our Green members coming back to County Cork and finding their ancestral home. And I think that's kind of one side of the equation where you literally have the good luck to find specifically where, in, in this case, County Cork, your folks came from. We went knocking at the door. We went talking to the farmer. We went hauling that person in, got them to meet each other, and it was absolutely wonderful. However, there is a beginning to all that particular journey, which is when you go back to your own place and you start to check the record, you start to ask questions, you start to figure out, well, roughly whereabouts in Ireland do my folks come from? And that's what we're going to focus in on today. All right, so let's get started, Michael. Yeah, so we have two letters today, and um, I think it's great to actually just take two case studies like this. In one, both of them are from Green Remembers, and in both cases, they shared information with us, and we actually wrote letters, so we're having a conversation backwards and forwards. Now, you're going to take the place of the person in, uh, in one case, Australia, and the other case, in America, in two different letters, and um, I'll just kind of give answers as they actually come up. So I think between both letters, you'll get a very particular flavor as to some of the uh, focus, some of the problems, some of the barriers, um, some of the successes you may have when they actually just start up. I suppose kind of when you start up actually the search in the first place. And often you're distracted by other people's information and often that information is just plain wrong. So that's sort of the sort of thing we're actually looking at today. And we're getting onto the actual fingernails of if you pardon the expression and we're going to take as i said uh, two souls and we're going to look at their stories and of course along the way karina as ever we have some pieces of music and the theme we have for today are songs of irish emigration perfect mike i'm looking forward to hearing those so we move on with the very first one let's start okay so before we actually jump into the first letter here we have the shores of botany bay sung by the irish rovers Hey! 
you down to the quay where the ship at anchor lays. To command a gang of navvies there, they told me to engage. I thought I'd drop in for a drink before I sail away. For to take a trip on an emigrant ship to the shores of Botany Bay. Farewell to your bricks and mortar, farewell to your dirty lime. Farewell to your gangway and your gangplank, and the hell with your overtime. For the good ship Ragamuffin, she's lying at the quay. For to take her pat with a shovel on his back to the shores of Botany Bay. The best years of our lives we spent working on the docks. Building mighty wharves and piers for earth and ballast rocks. Our pensions keep our jobs secure, but I won't rue the day. Well, I'll take that trip on an emigrant ship to the shores of Botany Bay. Farewell to your bricks and mortar, farewell to your dirty lime. Farewell to your gangway and your gangplank, and a hell with your overtime. For the good ship Ragamuffin, she's lying at the quay. Where to take her back with a shovel on his back to the shores of Botany Bay. The boss came up this morning and he says, Well, Pat, you know. That if you don't mix that mortar quick, I'm afraid you'll have to go. Well, of course he did insult me, so I demanded all me pay. And I told him straight I was going to immigrate to the shores of Botany Bay. Farewell to your bricks and mortar, farewell to your dirty lime. Farewell to your gangway and your gangplank, and a hell with your overtime. For the good ship Ragamuffin, she's lying at the quay. For to take a pat with a shovel on his back to the shores of Botany Bay. And when I reach Australia, I'll go and search for gold. There's plenty there for digging up, or so I have been told. And when I've made me fortune, there'll be no more bricks to lay. But I'll take me ease doing what I please on the shores of Botany Bay. Farewell to your bricks and mortar, farewell to your dirty lime. Farewell to your gangway and your gangplank, and to hell with your overtime. For the good ship Ragamuffin, she's lying at the quay. For to take your pat with a shovel on his back to the shores of Botany Bay. Farewell to your bricks and mortar, farewell to your dirty lime. Farewell to your gangway and your gangplank, and to hell with your overtime. For the good ship Ragamuffin, she's lying at the quay. For to take your pat with a shovel on his back to the shores of Botany Bay. Have you discovered the place where your ancestors originated in Ireland? Have you visited the place and walked the same ground that they walked? Have you found your homeland in Ireland? These questions are the focus of today's letter as we pick one reader's story and try to figure out just where her ancestors might have come from in Ireland. Finding your tribe in Ireland. If we go back in time in Ireland, way back more than a thousand years ago, we come to a period when the island of Ireland was occupied by a number of Gaelic tribes. 
These tribes occupied specific areas and their boundaries shifted backwards and forwards as the power of one tribe rose while another's fell. One of these tribes was called the Dalgosh, and this tribe first came to prominence in the area we now know as County Clare. Over the centuries, they provided us with many provincial and high kings of Ireland, as well as many Irish surnames. Probably the most famous member of the Dalgosh tribe was Brian Baru, who became a high king of Ireland, and the source of the O'Brien surname, meaning, of course, descendants of Brian, that we know today. But let's dive in a little deeper. Brian came from a very specific line inside the Dalgosh, known as the E. Hardlebeg. Now, don't expect you to understand that straight away. It's Irish and it's spelled U-I space T-H-A-I-R-D-E-L-B-A-I-G. Not one to remember. While those Irish words may not drip off your tongue, you're probably more familiar with the following surnames that came from this specific line of the Dalgosh. Names such as O'Brien, O'Hearn, Boland, Casey, Considine, Cosgrave, Kramer, Eustace, Kennedy, McMahon, O'Regan, MacLyset, Kelleher, Carney, Lonergan, Toomey, MacArthur, McGrath, O'Mara, Scanlon, and many others. Are any of your Irish surnames on that list? While some of these surnames also rose to prominence in other tribes across the island, many of these Dalgosh surnames are still found in quantity today across counties Clare, Tipperary, Limerick and Cork. Finding your homeland in Ireland. However, I left out one surname from the above list. It's a Dalgosh surname you may have heard of before or even have it in your own family. That surname is Hogan and the following reader letter is all about a family who held the name and travelled from County Tipperary to Lancashire in England. Their descendant is Brenda Murray who now lives in South Australia. So over to you Brenda and for the purpose of this letter Karina will read what Brenda wrote to us. Hi Mike, my name is Brenda Murray, nay Meller. I was born in Oldham, Lancashire and married Dennis, who was also born in Oldham in 1962. We lived in Oldham until 1978, when we emigrated to South Australia. Aha, this was quite an experience in itself, as we'd never even flown before. As you say, Brenda, that must have been some experience. When we flew from Ireland to Australia, it was a long way by plane. Imagine what that journey must have been like by boat. Mm-hmm. Well, I started tracing my family tree in 2003, but I struggled for a while. I got most of my information at the Oldham Studies and Archives in 2007 and again in 2015. I was in touch with the Waterford Heritage Services who tried to help me. However, I know we have not much to go on and the names they came up with didn't seem to tie in with the information that I have. Yeah, Um, that can be the way. But I always say that it's worthwhile persisting. You know, new information becomes available with each passing year, especially online. I guess so. I have very little information on my great-great-grandparents who I would love to trace. My ancestors that I'm interested in are Morris, that's his first name, and Bridget Hogan, H-O-G-A-N. I do not know Bridget's maiden name, Mike. Morris and Bridget are on the 1861 British census, and they've stated that they were born in Ireland. Their three sons and daughter-in-law are on this census, and they're all born in Ireland too. 
Daniel was 17, William 19, James 22, and his wife Mary aged 25. Now, the only proof I have is that they put Ireland in the column when they, asked, when they were asked where they were born. In a later census of 1901, Daniel wrote Tipperary, Ireland. I do not know the date when they emigrated, but they did settle in Oldham, Lancashire. Well, you have quite a bit of information to start with. It sounds like Tipperary is a definite origin county for the Hogans, your Hogans, and the main challenge is that there are a lot of Hogans in that county. So let's summarise. It sounds like we're looking for a Daniel Hogan born to Morris and Bridget Hogan somewhere in County Tipperary sometime around 1844. It's likely that Daniel's siblings were also born in Tipperary. So how do we check for those records? Well, firstly, Tipperary is a large county, and although most church records were up and going by the 1840s, there can be gaps in what's available online due to sporadic early record-keeping, destroyed records, and it being the time of the famine, of course. However, in this case, we got lucky. My record search has uncovered a Daniel Hogan baptised to Morgan Hogan and Bridget, no name specified, on October the 8th, 1843. You see, Morgan is an old boy's name often associated with the O'Briens and comes from the Irish name Murcha. That's M-U-R-C-H-A-D-H. Now, it's probable that Morgan or Murcha became Morris for convenience sake following immigration to Britain. This sort of thing often happens, in fact. Uh, People are illiterate and often a clerk actually made up something that suited. So, there you go. So I then checked further baptisms to this couple and uncovered a Margaret baptised in 1837, a James in 1838, William in 1841, and Mary in 1846. So there we have Daniel, William and James all matching the details you provided. I would consider this a strong possibility that this is your Hogan family. They lived in the area of Bally Thomas, that's a townland in the parish of Clock Jordan in the northwest of County Tipperary, Prime Dal Gosh Territory. I also found Morgan and Bridget's marriage record from 1837, and isn't she a Collins like myself? The Collins surname also matches with the names of some of the witnesses on their children's baptisms, and we find witnesses to baptisms and weddings were often close relatives or close neighbours. Now we can talk more about the source of these records in the green room with with more detail, as you are, in fact, a green room member. Well, thanks very much for all that, Mike. Uh, Morris died in 1877 when he was 71, and Bridget died in 1881 at 64. Their son, Daniel, and his wife, Ellen, had seven children. My grandmother, Bridget Delia, was the youngest and died in December 1962, also buried in Greenacres Cemetery, Oldham. How nice to have that local continuity in Oldham. And now I do hope you've made the connection to all the way back to Bally Thomas in County Tipperary. Oh, yes. My husband and I have been to Ireland twice, the first time in 2007, Mike, and we stayed in Tipperary for a few days. As soon as we got to Ireland, it was a lovely feeling. I felt like I'd come to a place where I belonged. My husband felt the same, and we asked ourselves... Why had we not visited Ireland before when we lived in England? We visited from the other side of the world this time, from Australia. 
Now, I'd like to know the whereabouts in Tipperary my ancestors came from and to know who their parents were and if they had any siblings. I'd love to delve further, of course, and it would be interesting to know if there are any relatives, albeit they might be distant relatives, but I'd still love to know of them. I'd like to know where their parents and families are buried in Ireland. I know we shall have to go back again, but we are getting older now. Well, I think the details I provided previously will give you uh, a most probable answer to many of your questions there, actually, and I think an awful lot more answers will hang off them. I do hope you can turn the records I mentioned from being probable into a definite. This will give you a very definite target location for the next time you visit Ireland. And I look forward to helping you with this journey inside the green room. Thank you again, Mike, very, very much for all your help. I always love it when people have a target homeland to visit when they next come to Ireland. It brings so much of the hard-won research to life as you walk the roads, fields and village streets that your Irish ancestors once walked. And I'm sure that Bally Thomas will have an opportunity to welcome Brenda and her husband in the not-so-distant future. The island that is silent now But the ghosts still haunt the waves And the torch lights up a famished man Who fortune could not save Did you work upon the railroads? Did you write the streets of crime? Were your dollars from the White House? Where I found that five and time Did the old songs talk to cheer you And the dust still make you cry Did you count the months and years Or did your teardrops quickly dry I know for things was not to be On a coffin ship I came here And I never even Got so far that they could change my name. Thousands are sailing across the western ocean to a land of opportunity that some of them will never see. Fortune prevailing across the Stepped hand in hand on Broadway Like the first man on the moon And a blackbird broke the silence As you whistled it so sweet And then Brendan Behan's footsteps I danced up and down the street And we said goodnight to Broadway Giving it our best regards 
there with thousands are sailing a very appropriate uh, piece of music there for the theme of today's episode which is all about uh, reaching back into ireland and finding your ancestors the the homeland for your ancestors and uh, of course we have other pieces of music there as well all about emigration but that particular one thing i think Karina, is one of the more modern pieces and i think it actually uh, resonates the, with the voice of shay mcgowan there and the pogues uh with the theme of today Absolutely. Uh, Mike, that first letter there that we read and that we were chatting about had a good outcome, I think, as the lady was able to find a location in Ireland. However, sometimes people jump the gun, don't they, a little, and they might land in the wrong county. And I think you have another letter coming up for us on that theme. I think the people jump the gun a lot, actually, you know, and it's, it's understandable because it's such enthusiasm. But unfortunately, I think this is the effect of having Ancestry.com out there. There's all sorts of hints and there's all sorts of uh, ideas that other people have as to where they think their folks came from in Ireland because they just make the leap over to the Irish records, take a guess and say, yep, that's me. However, you know, it pays to be sceptical early on. 
And I think this, let, this next letter illustrates that particular point. Where we take a Green Remember, and Green Remember shared some of the information they had on their particular ancestors. But, you know, as soon as I actually started to hear some of the details, they kind of sounded unlikely, if you know what I'm saying. You spotted a red flag there straight away, I think, Mike, did you? Yeah, red flags, red herrings, the whole shebang, basically. So that's what the next letter is going to be all about. And it's, do you know the real origins of your Irish ancestors? This letter is definitely one for listeners who are Irish family history researchers. We're going to talk about an error that many people make when attempting to trace their Irish ancestors. You see, we're tackling a bit of a delicate subject this morning. We'll take just one reader's letter and hopefully put her right back on track as she searches for the place of origin of her Irish family that arrived in the USA sometime in the 1850s. I often come across a new member in the green room who provides us with the facts of their Irish ancestors' origin in Ireland. I say facts, but these facts sometimes appear unlikely when presented to an Irish genealogist. For example, we might receive facts that a couple who were born in different parts of rural Ireland, but then they met and were married in the third rural part of Ireland, before going on to have children in yet a different rural location hundreds of miles away. This sort of pattern isn't unusual in today's world of easy transport and work options, but raises a red flag given the reality of 19th century Ireland. Most Irish of the time tended to meet and marry the children of their neighbours from the surrounding streets, villages and townlands. They then went on to have their own children live and work among their extended families and neighbours in the same area, at least until economic necessity caused them to migrate to the nearest city or even further afield. So when we receive any set of unlikely facts, we first have to break it gently to the member in question and then go back to the drawing board to sort out the possibilities from the unlikelies, testing the facts uh, provided against available records. Let's take an example. So, Joan Frank is one of our Green members who is visiting Ireland in the near future. She hopes to visit the place where her Irish Ryan ancestors once lived, but has she really discovered their correct place of origin in Ireland? We start by breaking down the information that Joan presented. We look at ways of checking the likely origins for her ancestors in Ireland to provide her with some useful ideas and locations before her scheduled trip. Here, Karina reads what Joan provided us with. My name is Joan Frank, and my father's mother's line was Ryan, R-Y-A-N. I live in Buffalo, New York, but the Ryans came to Auburn, New York, where I spent my early days. Nice to meet you, Joan. There are certainly many Ryan families in Ireland. In fact, it's probably the most numerous surname to the north of County Tipperary, where it was originally anglicised as Mull Ryan. Thank you, Mike. My first Ryan ancestor to arrive in the USA was Timothy Ryan, who married Winifred Egan. They both moved to Auburn, New York, USA, and died there around the 1900s. Tim and Winifred had eight children. One of them, Thomas, was my great-grandfather. He came to America around 1862, but I cannot find any ship record. So you're saying that Timothy and Winifred married in Ireland before traveling to the US. Yes. They also had at least one child in Ireland, Thomas, who traveled with them in 1862. 
At least, let's proceed with that assumption. Timothy Ryan was born in 1822 in Clonakilty, Cork, and his father's name was Dennis Ryan and mother was Joan Donovan. Joan Donovan's parents were Matthew Donovan of Cork and Ross and Margaret Sarsfield. Both Ryan and Donovan's surnames are found in quantity in that part of County Cork. However, I wonder how you know that this Timothy from the Irish records was your Timothy. Was it because of another record I don't know about or a family story? Sarchfield is a variation on the surname Sarsfield, which is mostly found elsewhere in East Cork and County Limerick. Well, Mike, Tim and Winifred Egan lived in County Limerick by the time of Griffith's valuation of 1851 in a place called Palace Green in the parish of Temple Breddon. Hmm. Now, this is beginning to sound a little unusual, so let me explain. Now, there are many Ryan and Egan families across Limerick and Tipperary, and I'm sure there are some Timothy and Winifred couples amongst them. However, it was unusual at the time for a Ryan, born in County Cork, to head to Limerick. Not impossible, just, just unusual. I had a look at the families in Palace Green in 1851, and there were quite a few Ryan families already in that townland. This suggests that the Ryans of Palace Green were always in the area and did not come from County Cork. Well, I have a trip booked to Ireland later this year, Mike, and I will be in the Cork area. I want to see the land of my ancestors, but I don't know exactly where that is. How nice for you to have that trip to Ireland lined up. However, I think we need to step back and examine just where in Ireland your Ryan ancestors originated for certain. Of course, it's difficult to question the history you always believed to be true in such a manner. People often jump across from US records to the Irish records too soon. It's often much more useful to dig deeper into the records in the place where your family immigrated. I had a look for mention of your Ryan family in the US on Ancestry.com and noticed the extended Ryan family including Timothy age 75, Winifred age 65 in the 1892 New York census. I also noticed their son Thomas with his young family in the 1875 New York sentence, census. Pardon me. Uh, that's the earliest record I could find. Maybe you could provide a pointer to earlier records? I also noticed that several people on Ancestry.com had your Rhine family in their tree, but almost all of these trees were suspect and with few reliable sources referenced. So here are some outstanding questions we need to answer before moving forward to figure out just where in Ireland your Ryan family definitely originated. First, what is the earliest record of Timothy, Winfred and family in the US? Families were often surrounded by families and neighbours from Ireland following their arrival in the US. I noticed, for example, that Timothy and Winfred have William Ryan aged 80 living with them in 1892. Next, how do you know that Winfred's Ryan's maiden name is Egan? Do you have a record source that shows this? You see, Egan is a very rare surname for County Cork. If her maiden name was Egan and Winfred and Timothy met and married in Ireland, then it was probably outside County Cork. Finally, what are the names of their children born in Ireland from eldest to youngest? Irish naming patterns may help us to establish the likely names of the parents of Timothy and Winford in Ireland. 
So once we establish answers to each of the above, we then stand a better chance of eliminating the unlikely origins for your Orion ancestors and focus instead on the more probable Irish locations. It's entirely possible that your Orion ancestor moved from South County Cork to County Limerick to settle in the area with your Egan ancestor. However, it does sound suspicious and needs verification before accepting it as a fact. I'd hate to have you head to Cork and realise a few years from now that your roots are in fact in County Limerick or elsewhere. So we really look forward to coming up with more definite places that Joan can add to our Irish trip itinerary over the coming weeks as she asks her question and receives advice further in the green room. So folks, watch out for that sort of situation because we see it more often than you might imagine. People are enthused that they have the right place because honestly we want to believe it. Uh, for their people but things like the red herrings again like seeing that your rural Irish ancestor was born in a particular place then they met another their spouse who came from a very very different county and they were married in a third county and had their children yet another one sorry but that all sounds highly unlikely Um, but you know the records might find that it is in fact the case but it's just unlikely and uh, again I think the important step there is to make sure you bring it all the way back to uh, the basics and start to figure out from the records, especially in the land of immigration, um, just what's correct and what's true about your particular family. And Karina, just before we go, maybe we'll just share that little story which we shared uh, last week as well in the podcast. So we had another Green Remember. Happens a bit, all right, doesn't it, Mike? And we had it really happen to us too when we were looking at um, our Green Remembers location here in Cork. And she thought she had one location, but in fact, for her Richardson's, but it was actually almost across the road, which and is the problem, so close. The problem was, every one of our friends and family had believed, in fact, that they had the right one, but they were just barking up the wrong tree all along. Very close, but just a few fields in yeah. the wrong direction. And then, of course, that brought a different branch of, the, of a family. Yeah. And the problem was, she then had to reverse tack and actually somehow break it to those people. Look, guys, we had the wrong place and the wrong people. This is the correct one over here, you know, and you don't want to find yourself in that situation. So it really, really pays not to jump to too many conclusions early on and pay attention to those red flags should they arise. Well, I think, Mike, you've given Joan some great pointers there in that second letter and questions that we can all ask ourselves, I guess, if we are jumping too quickly to a conclusion and to a location You need some verification, don't you, and some records, and particularly in the area that they've emigrated to first before leaping over to the Irish records. Right. I think a piece of music is uh, the last piece of music, in fact. Uh, We're more or less ready for it now, Karina. And it's one of those pieces of music. We started off one bay. It was Botany Bay down there in Australia. And this is another bay, a bay in Ireland. And we have Galway Bay here with Bing Crosby. If you ever go across the sea to Ireland Then maybe at the closing of your day You will sit and watch the moon rise over Claddagh And watch the barefoot gossoons at their play Just to hear again the ripple of the trout stream 
The women in the meadows making hay And to sit beside a turf fire in the cabin And see the sun go down on Galway Bay For the breeze is blowing o'er the seas from Ireland Are perfumed by the heather as they blow And the women in the upland digging praties Speak a language that the strangers do not know For the strangers came and tried to teach us their way They scorned us just for being what we are But they might as well go chasing after moonbeams Or light a penny candle from a star And if there's going to be a life hereafter And faith, I'm sure there's going to be I will ask my God to let me make my heaven In that dear land across the Irish Sea. Well, Bing Crosby there, Mike, when I hear that in Galway Bay, it always brings back my mom and dad to me. They loved, loved that altogether, listening to Bing Crosby. Um, so today's episode has been fun. It's been great to be here with you reading the letters. And how would you, Mike, summarize today's show for the listeners? Well, Karina, we started off by calling today's show Finding Your Irish Ancestral Homeland. And we tried to kind of, I, I think you might agree, we tried to point up some of the um, difficulties people might have, especially when starting uh, to actually figure out the place in Ireland from which their Irish ancestors originated. And uh, it's made even more difficult when you have accepted wisdom, for example, or a second letter there, where our reader, our member in America, actually had this idea that we're from County Cork. But again, looking at the information they provided, it just sounded unlikely. And it would be wonderful to take a few steps back, which hopefully she'll do inside the green room now, and actually figure out where is the more likely place. Let's just kind of get rid of the places that are unlikely and figure out inside what's left, what's the more likely origin for our Irish Ryan ancestors. And uh, the first letter then was over in Australia. And uh, that was really all about finding a very, very particular place in Ireland. I think we succeeded there. And in fact, we've had subsequent conversations inside the green room as well uh, to find a very particular homeland in County Tipperary. So delighted with that particular outcome. But in both cases, I think they're... um, And again, for us chatting back and forward there, 
it just brings to mind to me the importance of having the conversations, not with me necessarily, because in lots of ways I'm just voicing what our genealogists might voice. But if you start a conversation inside the green room especially or, or outside with the genealogist, it's important to keep that conversation going through and be skeptic, you know, be skeptical and uh, look at the actual facts and look at the guesses. And uh, over time, you will narrow in more and more into the likely ancestral homeland for your Irish ancestor. And as you said, nothing beats then being here and walking on that ancestral homeland and knowing that you are walking in the footsteps of your ancestors because you have the research to back it up. Yeah, isn't that the payback really? Yeah, Absolutely. And uh, so, Corinne, that brings us to the end of today's show. As ever, we would ask people to leave a little bit of feedback. We really, really, really pay attention to everything you say. So if you're on Apple Podcasts or in Spotify or on a forum, just take a moment, please, to leave a star or two or three or four or five, or whatever that might be, and a comment or two, because again, we really do pay attention to them. We certainly do. Yep. So that's it from myself, Mike. And Karina. And we will say slán to everybody until we chat again next week. If you've enjoyed today's Letter from Ireland show, we'd like to invite you to check out our special membership area, The Green Room. You hear us mention it a lot during the show. And you can find full details of The Green Room at lettermireland.com forward slash green room. Our Green Room is the essential resource for anybody at any stage in researching their Irish heritage because it's where we delve into all the good stuff to help you break down those brick walls and really connect the pieces in your Irish ancestry puzzle. In the green room, you get access to online genealogists, extensive research tools, quick win training, as well as member-only access to johngrenham.com and a very supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback and advice. The Green Room is the perfect place to be for anybody starting or continuing their Irish ancestry search. So why don't you come and join us there at a letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. That's it for me, but I'll be back next time with another installment of the Letter from Ireland show. And I really look forward to chatting to you then. Slán Gafol, Karina. <laughs>